Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Los Angeles, California, Joey Nochel Prano. Hello, Andy. Good morning, Joe. We're almost in April. It's just a few days away. April, and I believe April 1st is our uh, is opening day, correct? Correct. Little April a, Fool's Major League Baseball opening day. It's upon us. I love it. I've got plans also. Shout out to a couple of the the sliders and the dirt balls that have slid into the mentions. Andy Laz and I will be recording on Wednesday. I don't believe full, full it. I don't season believe preview. It. I don't Wednesday. believe it. Wednesday. It's on the schedule. It's on the calendar. You guys are like Haley's Comet. You come around every 77 years of the pod. We come, we, we come out, <laughs> we come around, we come around during baseball season. We take the off season off. We're 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 true ball players. We golf all off season. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Yeah, we'll do a uh, we'll we'll do a I don't know we'll do a baseball talk on Thursday for sure. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a baseball talk. Um, baseball always creeps up on you. Yeah, I love it? it. I'm so excited. Baseball and tax season, they just creep up on you almost simultaneously. Yeah, exactly. Have you done your taxes? No. Exactly, and I haven't either. So I, I'm not sure I've done my 2014 taxes. <laughs> Well, good news is the IRS is very backed up. The, that's the good news and the bad news. The IRS, I just talked to the IRS the other day. I was like, yo, the whole country keeps getting checks for no reason. And I do not. And they're like, yeah, we're a little backed up. We haven't we haven't processed your taxes that you sent us one year ago. I'm like, yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, I spent 45 minutes waiting to talk with them. And I just said, I'll wait. You know, I'll put the phone here on speaker, do some work. And same thing, some backed up issues and it is to catch 22 because I'm yeah. also waiting on my free stimulus um, to catch to 22 not- because the government will find you for being one second late for literally anything. You're one second yeah. late for a parking meter. You owe us money. You're one second late on your taxes. You owe us money. They're like, we've been processing your 2019 tax return for one year. But a, a, a tanker ship got fucking stuck and removed from the Suez Canal in 100 million percent less time than it took the IRS to fucking process my taxes from last year. Well, here's another crazy one. I don't know if I should reveal this on air, but I feel like I should. I know firsthand that if you died in 2020, you still get stimulus checks. So congrats, taxpayers. I know two people who passed away who still will be receiving money, which then their sons will be receiving. So really doesn't make me feel good as a taxpayer. It's like, it's kind of messed up, right? We're, we're, We're giving stimulus checks to dead people. USA. USA. That that's their uh, that's their bonus for voting for Joe Biden. 
Oh, you opened it up, Joe. You <laughs> truly opened it up. No, but uh, I, I, I was going to tweet this out. I have to say one more thing about that. Uh, my parents also got a notice in the mail from the Hamilton County. That's the county I live in and that they lived in the board of uh, voter registration that they are no longer allowed to vote because they are dead. Wow. Cannot make this up. Each parent individually addressed. Dear Walter so you, Ruther. You, you committed a federal crime by opening mail. That wasn't yours. Yeah. You are no longer allowed to vote because you are deceased. I don't want to say we got problems at a lot of levels, but yeah. when you see shit like that and when in the same week I get something from the California DMV saying I'm overdue on my plates, which have been transferred to Ohio for a while now. I don't want to say we got problems, but I'm going to say we got some fucking problems. You have to give you have to give the government your parents new address. So what I have to do. Yeah. <laughs> which would be my address. Right. At what point this is actually an interesting discussion, and I know we will get into some sports because there's one listener out there who hates all these discussions that are non-sports related. At what, surprise, surprise. He lives in Ohio. Don't 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 you dare take a dig at Ohio. I was hanging with somebody yesterday. I won't I won't name names because I don't want to ruin any sort of relationship that you guys may have uh but they refer to ohio as the alabama of the north was it tug coker i was like no it was not tug coker and uh don't you dare not give me names was it your girlfriend no lazarus no i'll i'll tell you off air is it eddie ift no (laughs) although that would that that'd be a pretty solid I mean, Eddie is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So, yeah, you know, Eddie will be glass Eddie, houses and Eddie will be on the show on Thursday. Yes. Eddie Ift is going to stop by. I got to say, um, I think that Eddie's never appeared on the show, has he? No, I don't think he has. But I think I think it's safe to say, like the the real foundation, the real cement f- foundation of this dirtball family is definitely built on the backs of shitheads. And uh, I think it's I think it's time. I think it's time for Eddie to make a visit. Yeah, well, he is his father in law has been on the show. That's right. And Eddie was there while we taped it. Right. So he was with Eddie's got Eddie's got a lot of sports stories. You know, he's got he's got a lot of run ins with different athletes and different coaches. It's just going to be getting him to tell them on this show because he told one when we were down working in San Diego and I was like, geez. That's a wild one. Yeah, he's 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 a guy with a lot of good stories in general. Yeah. He's one of 70, those people. Seventy percent of them are completely fake, but you yeah. know, we'll 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 push him on the details of some. And also, Eddie's like sixty-five years old. He's lived. Yeah, you know exactly. He, he's got some stories. Yeah, he he dated Farrah Fawcett in college. <laughs> You talk about someone who got the raw end of the deal when she died. The Eddie Ift? Farrah Fawcett. I'm t- oh. You know yeah. she died the same day as Michael Jackson? Yes, I do. Oh, talk about the raw end of the deal. 
Well, Joe, that's a great segue. I think that's a professional segue. We're talking about deals. We can talk about NBA deals, trade deadlines, signing free agents, all the moves that have happened in the last five or six days since Thursday slash Wednesday night's episode. Well, Andy, since, you know, since there is a long list here, I want to just get, I want to just take your temperature on the NBA moves. What do you think the number one most important free agent slash trade move, you know, buyout signing or trade move was? Good question. I'm not, you know, everyone, a lot, because it's more recent, everyone talking to Marcus Aldridge, but the Nets are pretty deep. He's older. I don't know. Like, it helps. No lie, yeah. it helps. But I mean, I, I think obviously the big story there is, first of all, LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah, is good. He's older, but I think he'll be absolutely a uh, presence, especially in their playoff run. I think we'll see, we'll see some, you know, I don't want to say big games out of L.A., but uh, he's. I think he'll be a contributor, no doubt about it. And I think that's probably the headline move or a headline move because it's the Nets. Obviously, the whole world was up in arms um, that the Nets are now going full super duper team. If you're if you're buying out, you got to come to the Nets because. I don't know. I guess Kevin Durant is just sitting there going like, why not come? Come on, guys. Like, I'm going to take the brunt of this. And did you see, of course, Kevin Durant's like back on Twitter in in people's replies? I did not. Yeah. Kevin Durant's upset with people calling him, you know, a snake again and a super team builder. And again, I just I just don't get it, dude. I just do not get it. You, you don't need it. You just don't need the headache of social media when you're at that level. Well, Kevin Durant, I got to say, you know, the, the best argument for Kevin Durant is a like snaky little bitch is that he he cannot he cannot let people trash talk him on the Internet without responding. It's like, bro, how insecure are you? But your game speaks for itself. Your ability on a basketball court, your all-time that, greatness. That's what make, I think that's what makes it worse, too, is that right now Kevin Durant has played, I think it's 20 games or less than 19 games, 18 games, something like that, since the 2019 NBA Finals. So, bro, you're not even playing. Like, you're on Twitter complaining because people are like, oh, the Nets – are fucking signing everybody. How many guys do you need? And he's like, here I am. Say it to my face. It's like, bro, play basketball. But if I asked a hundred strangers and I said, when you're off your phone and you're just living life and in particular off social media, how do you feel mentally versus when you're on? I'd bet 90 plus percent are going to say, I feel better. So again, you are a living NBA star, top 10 all time. Why are you on your phone? I just don't get it. Like, is there anyone, they have team psychologists. Is anybody telling him, KD, this isn't good for your health? Somebody should. I think he should listen to our damn show. He should hear it. 
stay off social media, but definitely get on the internet and find the Dirty Sports Podcast, where I regularly refer to you as a snake bitch. It'd be good for your mental health. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I just the, don't get it. The, but- this whole Nets thing, it's like, I don't know why Kevin Durant, like James Harden doesn't seem to be diving in that, but like, I don't understand why Kevin Durant doesn't just embrace this already. Like it, there kind of is no denying that you're obviously stockpiling every asset you can. This is very clearly, you know, the building of a super team. You, you have James Harden who's leading this team who forced his way out of Houston. You know, you got, you got, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, who clearly planned a destination together. You've got like, you keep signing guys, you keep adding guys, Blake Griffin buyout. Like what are, what are we arguing about here? Just like embrace it. Also just embrace the fact that, you know, LeBron James won the NBA championship again last year. Like the, the, the jokes about what people will do to beat LeBron, like, it is Avengers versus Stano shit, and it's fine. It's fine. Like, just embrace it. Just be like, yo, we got to win a championship, too. And I have no problem with somebody trying to amass the best team. Right. Th- this I notion. With, I have a problem with pretending that, like, this isn't what we're doing. You know what I mean? That we're not trying to build, you know, we're not trying to. It's it yeah I I don't get it I've never got that notion in sports in general from the public. This amassing a super team and it particularly goes to basketball for some reason. You want the best team. If I own a company and they're essentially a company, I want to put together the best team. Well, you, I just don't get like from the normal person's view. Why do you not want the best team? Yeah. The Yankees wanted the best team since. I don't know how long they've been doing this, Joe, 25, 30 years where they just keep stockpiling. And now other teams are doing it in major league baseball. You see it in the NFL. I I just don't understand. Oh, super team. Do you want to win or do you want to lose? Or do you want to have a shitty company? Right. You want to win. And and you don't, who cares? You don't get bigger rings for winning a championship when you didn't have the best team. So yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of ludicrous. I think, I think the, I think the issue is in the social media conversation of like, I mean, I saw it all this weekend under every reply about the Nets. It's like LeBron started this. It's like, guys, this has been going on forever. This has been going on forever. I mean, the, the you go back to like, I mean, forget going back as far as Jordan and the Bulls. And like, again, you know, we will do a 40 part documentary about how Jordan is Mr. Killer. And, and he took that personally. And the guy, and the guy, you know, at the, at the bar down the street once said, Michael wasn't the best. And he took that personally he ended up buying the bar and whatever. Well, he also joined forces with his fiercest rival, the guy who, you know, everybody said, these guys are going to murder each other in the street. If they ever cross each other, he was like, yeah, get them over here on the bulls. You know, like he brought in fucking Rodman. But you can go on before that. You go on before all, you know, you can go back to Lakers and Celtics and in the 80s. You can go back to like stockpiling big assets. Like, let's not pretend this happened. But like, you know, the modern super team, this is KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, 
and they immediately go from worst to f- a championship and it set the tone and that everybody's everybody's done this strategy since then it was a big three thing it was a big duo thing it was big whatever thing it's like don't act like you know the problem becomes in acting like you're that's not what you're doing it's like dude it is what you're doing so just own it everybody's doing it this is what i find interesting though about the nets none of these guys though again i'm all for getting the best players and just keep stacking that roster but there's not a player on the nets basically i'm talking about their their three stars who's one on their own. And I don't mean on their own. I mean, like, as the guy. Like, like I guess KD was the guy. He won the MVPs. I stand corrected in that. Do you kind of see my point, though? But he had to leave to go to Golden State. I mean, he joined a team that had 73 wins a year before. That's kind of my point, is right. that when, the, to me, the difference would be LeBron adding players he can. He's been the guy always. Oh, of course he has. And I think there is a difference. To me, that is why I would still say, if they're healthy, and it's not even close to me, the Lakers are still the team to beat. Like until, until you, because when the, and, and how much do you think Drummond helps that? Because I'm not sure Drummond helps that all that much. I think he helps for sure. I think, um, I think what, what, and obviously we're going to switch now to that conversation. I think that's probably the second biggest, obviously we have trades to talk about as well. That's the second biggest, if not the biggest like buyout deal was Drummond to the Lakers. Drummond, this, this move has kind of basketball casuals being like, yeah. And, and, and by the way, it's the same thing with Aldridge. Like neither of these guys are what they once were, or like, honestly, Drummond's Drummond isn't what his stats say he is. Like he's a very inefficient player. He plays the absolute wrong kind of game. Like he's, you know, dude, just be a rebound. Like he's going to have to be, a younger, better version of what Dwight Howard was for the Lakers last year. And if he comes in and he tries to be the premier guy like he was on terrible teams, it's not going to be great. Now, obviously, I think LeBron James will do a fantastic job of showing him his role. Obviously, he signed with the Lakers because he wants to win. So it certainly can work. He has the he has the ability to be a good fit, but they're going to need him to change his game and simply, and simply just be more, be more basic. Be ex- I mean, we talked about it with Dwight Howard last year. It's like, you got to come in and know your role. Like you're not Dwight Howard anymore. Rebound, defend, get, get some easy buckets. Cause listen, they've got, they've got Harold, They've got Gasol, who will probably now be playing off the bench. They've got AD, who has to get healthy. Obviously, both him and LeBron have to get healthy to win. But like, they now have kind of like a log jam in their front court. And it's going to be all about LeBron and AD again. So I agree with you. If they're healthy, 
it's going to be interesting, but like, again, the nets just keep adding firepower, keep adding firepower, keep adding firepower. I want the nets to completely melt down. That's what I want. I want, I want a Lakers nets finals You do for the excitement. And I mean, of course, the Knicks are also a four seed. So I'd love, I'd love the Nets to lose before the finals. I'd love, you know, them to lose in that fashion. But like for for headlines and for you know the marquee matchup, I'm all about that. Let's go. Yeah. No, I I, I think it would oh, it for sure be the most entertaining, the highest rated finals. For the NBA's perspective, they want that. But the health, I mean, it, the, you know, we're talking, these injuries are not, these are kind of nagging injuries from what I see that LeBron, Anthony Davis have. And that's a problem, right? Like yeah. these are ones that could flare up again when they start playing and they just got to get healthy. Now the Lakers have had two easy games recently. So they both want, they finally won a couple without, if they were going to lose every game without LeBron, I was going to say this only helps his MVP candidacy. Yeah. Listen, as far as the MVP goes, LeBron James is the most valuable player in basketball. He has been since he was 24 years old or something like that. But the most valuable player award and the most valuable player as an idea are completely different things. And you have to play X amount of games to win the award. And but like, honestly, it's probably is probably James Harden's award right now with all the injuries to everybody. Yeah. We have a call. I'll play the call about the Aaron Gordon trade. Okay. It's, it's it wants to ask a different perspective on it. Hi, Joe and Andy. It's Jeff from New Jersey. Um, long time caller, first time listener. Might've mixed up my cue cards there, but, um, I just finished listening to Wednesday's podcast, um, which missed the NBA trade deadline. And one of the most interesting things I thought that came from that was Aaron Gordon leaving my Orlando Magic, uh, which was bound to happen. But he also demanded not to be traded to a team that was rebuilding and wanted to go to a team that was going to compete now. Obviously not trying to go play for the Rockets, and I can't blame them. But I just wanted to ask you guys, um, in the league now, player empowerment is a huge thing, and if a guy like Aaron Gordon, even though he is the people's champion, uh, he's never been an all-star, but he still has the power to the man where he goes. Um, is this kind of like the epitome of player empowerment these days and if we'll see more of this you know further on guys who might not have the the pull of an all-star demanding where they can be dealt uh thank you Bye. i think it is an interesting point like aaron gordon is i mean he's a he's like nothing special i i mean i agree i honestly i think you know his question aside for a second, like the Nuggets give up picks and, you know, a f some, you know, a fairly decent player and 
to get Aaron Gordon, a, you know, a pretty decent player in, in Gary Harris and, and future first round picks to get Aaron Gordon. And like, I don't I just, like it. I, I don't like it. I mean, uh, like, do I like it? I don't know. But what I don't like is I don't think it makes you, I don't think it pushes you over the edge in any way. Like, I just don't think it gets you any closer to the goal of being NBA champs. And let's say it does push you past, like, a hobbled Lakers team. Let's say, it does, like, does it help you win a championship? No. I just don't think so. And here's the thing. Does it make you better? Maybe. But if it doesn't help you win a championship right now, doesn't not having first round picks hurt you from winning a championship at some point? Now, I think that probably well, here, let me let's talk about his question for example. The the player man in power era is here and it's here to stay until changes are made. Um we now have a situation where guys with no trade clauses obviously can veto whatever they want. Guys without no trade clauses can still say, I'm not going to sign with that place. They can just publicly say, I'm not going to sign there after. And teams won't trade for them knowing that they're not going to. What I mean, look, look, it leads us kind of directly into the next thing is Victor Oladipo gets traded because he refused to sign. Not because Houston doesn't want him, but because he refused to sign. And now I think probably this is the most marquee of the trades. This is probably the the deal that makes a team better in the short term, improves their chances of a championship. Victor Oladipo to the to the Heat for Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley, and a pick swap like that makes that makes the Heat, who were in the NBA Finals last year, a lot better. A lot better. And 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 in terms of like better again, like win shares and all this stuff, and like how many you know how many games are improved by that trade, the Heat are going to make the playoffs. It makes them more dangerous in the playoffs. And he goes there because he refuses to sign with the Rockets. So yeah, until there's kind of a which I just don't think there will be. I was going to say until there's a change where we're, where we like say players can't say aloud where they will or won't sign or what they will like, this is, this is just the way it is. I mean, teams are just going to have to start getting real creative on how to manage these personalities because we're basically at the point now where guys can, can go and do whatever they want. I mean, Kyrie and Kevin Durant decided to play together. And then James Harden decided he was going to play with them. And the Nets are the NBA title favorites last year on a team where uh, on uh, title favorites this year on a team that didn't have any of these guys two seasons ago. Unrelated. Who do we rank higher with the name Victor, Victor Cruz or Victor Oladipo in terms of what? I mean, in my heart, Victor Cruz, but talent and Victor Oladipo. 
Victor Oladipo is a better NBA -er than Victor Cruz was a NFLer. I love Victor Cruz. Guy had guy had pretty great breakaway he, speed after the catch, yak speed. Also, I, I feel like Victor Cruz should have to send like hard eye emojis to Eli Manning every single second he wakes up in the morning. So very like, short, thanks, yeah. Thanks, very short thanks, career. Thanks again. Thanks again for turning me in from a UMass undrafted UMass Jets preseason cast off to a all pro receiver. Yeah. This is what I do. You're, you're going on some rant and I'm like, how many black dudes are named Victor? And I'm, and I'm looking that up, which I know I've discussed this before on the show. It's a good name. Vic. Vic. I like Vic. Victor is very formal. Yeah. Like you should be doing the Yeah. See, like that kind of voice. Okay. Come down here to Vector's News. I'm going to give you the latest news. I'm going to give it to you verbatim out of my own mouth. I'm going to read the news and you're going to hear it. Vector's News. That's what I think when I hear Victor. That's all I'm let saying. You, let me ask you about some, uh, some other trades, Andy. What do you think about Lou Williams to you, the Hawks for Rondo? Glad you brought that up. I wanted Clippers your Clippers get Rondo. Hawks get Lou Williams, a second round pick, another second round pick and cash considerations. I understand Rajon Rondo and, you know, what he brings to a team. And he played great in the, in the playoffs last year for the Lakers. Big part of that. Is Lou Williams significantly better than him? <laughs> like, I, I don't get that trade. That one. I don't get it at all. I was scratching my head at that one. You're getting an instant bucket guy. A point generator off the bench. Multiple six man of the year, right? He's won it a few times. Yeah. I that was that I was head scratching on that one. I, also, I I think and I know people are gonna say, Oh, you're slurping LeBron again. I think I think Le, I think Rondo is better on that Lakers team because he's got LeBron calling the shots. Yeah, absolutely. And also he has to run the second team offense. Or occasionally run the offense there. Listen, I understand the value. I, I, I got to say, I understand like, okay, we think Rondo makes us better for a playoff push than Lewis. But I, my problem with the Clippers is don't the Clippers have like depth, bench scoring? Like Lou Williams has been a pretty important part of the Clippers. Over the I last agree. couple of years. I agree. Especially when we talk about playoff P. You figure one of your main guys has a, a, a serious shot of disappearing. Yeah. No, Kawhi Leonard, no doubt about it, like steps up his game for the playoffs. But he's not, you know, he's not a bulk scorer. Well, the Kawhi Clippers experiment Let's call it what it is. It's not working overall so far. They have to, the Clippers were title or bust, and they still are. Mm -hmm. So if Kawhi doesn't get a title, that means it's not working. Especially well, when he won one in Toronto. Yes. But we, but like, yeah, I mean, you talk about 
championship or bust. Like the whole, the whole Clippers built, you know, they went their super team thing. Like, you know, I, where do you rank the Clippers title chances compared, like compared to everybody? Like, where do you have the title chances for the Clippers? Like where do you have them ranked below Lakers below Brooklyn below Philly? Philly, Miami are interesting. I, I don't know. I, I I just I don't know if that team we saw how they did last year. Yeah. Obviously, it's a little different team this year, but core guys. And, and, and again, we we I I thought they had a coaching problem. Now I think they have a bigger coaching problem. Yeah, I don't know if Ty Lue is the answer there. I I I just I put the. Clippers championship percentages at very low unless you know unless the Lakers are hurt and like like I think something has to go wrong with a bunch of teams like do you have them above I don't know like I I don't know if I have them in the top four or five I mean Utah's one Phoenix is two Clippers are three. Lakers are four. Obviously, Lakers have injury problems and have fallen. Denver, like, I don't know if I like the Clippers' chances better than I like Denver's chances. Paul Pierce can't disappear. He can't do playoff P. He's got to, yeah, sorry. He's got to play consistent basketball. I'm looking at the standings and it's just blowing my mind. Obviously, I have my favorite team set on ESPN. My Knicks being highlighted at four. I just can't like blinking guy. Are there any other trades or? Well, I think the other, the other main uh, ones are like, you know, Mavericks get JJ Redick. How much does that really help? I mean, they're, they're a team that's in the, you know, the bottom of that conference as, as is or seven team. And then of course, Celtics, uh, the Celtics getting Evan Fournier for uh, Jeff Teague to future second round picks. I think it helps them, but, a, but another team that's like, you know, the Celtics, I mean, the Celtics are seven right now as well. They would have to play a Brooklyn team. If the season ended today, they're not winning that series. If the season ended today, no, I mean, Boston either needs to go, Boston needs to go up or down, you know, Boston needs to end up with a, you know, matchup against the Knicks or a matchup against like, I, I don't think they're beating Milwaukee. Now Boston's really struggling considering everything. And yeah, I think that helps them, but it, it's going to need to help them in terms, in terms of just like bringing a fresh new vibe more than it is like, you know, Evan helping them in terms of like what he's going to be able to do on that team isn't going to be enough to say, Hey, we're pushing, but they're, we're pushing this, we're pushing you over the edge. The difference is they're better than a seven seed. They should be a top four seed in the East as is. So it's going to need to just have to bring like, you know, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. But does it help that much? I don't think so. No. I think the the Celtics aren't. They're not turning it around this year. 
it's all going to be about who's who's hurt and who's healthy. Yeah, Which obviously it always is, but we just have so many big stars out right now. And then you got to look at, you know, where, where the season ends and the matchups and who's going to be able to like, you know, sneak one here and there. I mean, Portland's six right now and the Clippers are three right now. The idea that Portland upsets them in a first round thing, it's not, it's not out of this, out of the world, out of this world. So, you know, it's going to have to be who's healthy. Yeah. And I want some fans. I would like some fans at playoff games just for the experience. There's already fans at, you know, most every arena except. But they're so damn damn far away from the floor. That's how I feel when I'm watching the NCAA tournament. Where, Where the hell? You know, they say, oh, it's at whatever, 20, 25% capacity. What the hell are the fans? They're nowhere near the floor. Like, That's because they have to have racks of Powerades. What's going on with the Powerade shit? <laughs> I've been saying this since the opening day. What's going the on? The racks of Powerade where every, every Powerade has to be three feet from another Powerade and have its name of the player written on it. It's unbelievable. Powerade is the real winner of March Madness, in my opinion. Powerade is the real winner of COVID. Who's done better in COVID than Powerade? I mean, it's true. Actually, the real winner of March Madness is the Conference of Champions. Dude, Pac-12. 11 and 2. They only have a second loss because the two teams played each other. Yep. Three of the eight teams in the Sweets and the Elite Eight. UCLA and USC, both in the Elite Eight. Same city. That's crazy. I got to say, shout out to the USC Trojans. I bet heavy on SC yesterday because I know nothing about USC basketball other than you and I went to a USC Lehigh game a couple years ago. Was it Lehigh? Yeah. And, uh, the but I watched that USC game. Who did they play two games ago before they beat Oregon? I mean, they waxed whoever they played. Kansas. Kansas. They played Kansas. They played a three seed in Kansas. And I was like, yo. And obviously, this isn't like me being any sort of basketball savant. I was like, yo, SC's good. They have athletes. Those the, the, the brothers they have are really good. Yeah. But then I'm watching that and then and I don't mean black guys. I mean yesterday. <laughs> Yesterday, the leading up to yesterday, <laughs> everybody, everybody was on Oregon. Everybody's yeah. on Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. I'm like, I just don't even un- – I've watched this tournament, and I just don't understand how you could have watched all of the games of this tournament so far and think that Oregon's going to beat SC. And I was like, I'm basing this on no prior knowledge of the Pac-12 regular season schedule, how many times they played, what the – I didn't even look. I was just like, yo, I'm, I test, I shoved my money that I had in my gambling account. I was like, I just do not believe that you can have two eyes and think that Oregon's better. And boom, I was, I was so stoked to shove and win on SC. What a great day. Where's his wife been? Who's SC coach Andy Enfield. Remember she was such a big name when they were for golf coast. When he coached them this week, oh, 16, right, right, right. I mean, I mean, it was seven or eight years ago, but 
Very attractive lady. I've been, I've been. That wasn't seven or eight years ago, was it? Yeah, it was. The Gulf Coast run. Let's let's look it up. Let's look it up. I guarantee. I, mean, I feel like I feel like I'll be dead in two years if that, that was seven or eight years ago. I'm gonna guess. I was right. He led the Sweet 16 in 2013. Jesus. He's been at SC since 2013, 2014 season. Wow. That's yeah. Crazy. That's crazy. That was eight years ago. Did she age? Is she not showing up? She looked really good. Am I the only I mean, one looking? Seven, it was seven years ago, Andy. It was eight years ago. Yeah, I'm saying it was eight years ago. So that's, uh, you know. She looks good still. Dude, she's been living in LA since then. She's even get, she's getting even better. You know, she, she's getting all the LA stuff, all the the best, like like LA. Are you trying to say like Botox and yeah, green, green juices? Oh, you know, uh, dude, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna be a hundred by next year. That's how I'm gonna look. I leave LA. I'm in the Midwest. I'm gonna I'm gonna look like I'm seventy next year. That's for sure. Place all, the chi- all the chili and wing stop and never had a wing stop here. Haven't eaten that much chili. I know you think I do have not eaten that much chili. If you went in your kitchen now, could you find canned chili? There's some in the cabinet. It's <laughs> left over from my dad. Yeah. I mean, I didn't buy it, but is it true that when you sell a house in Cincinnati, you're supposed to leave that for the next owner? It's like a passing the baton. No, but I like that idea. <laughs> the, the, the difference of Cincinnati, I think I've said this. If you go to a Whole Foods store, not actual Whole Foods, like a wholesaler, sorry, like a Costco or a Sam's Club, you can buy chili cans in bulk, like the local ones. And I think I said this during the pandemic. I remember at Sam's Club going with Walt, it would say, you know, paper towels and paper toilet paper you could only buy one you know because people were buying it it had the same thing with chili i'm not lying i thought that was so funny it was like one of the very few food items were like only one case of chili that's amazing cincinnati and stock it up sc does look good i and and here's the deal i know gonzaga is mowing through teams but i think i think you know they're gonna have their hands full it's a very athletic team that usc is that game's what Tuesday? Yeah, I'm 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 all in on the Trojans. Let's go. Also, Joe Chabelli being undone by an LA team. Oh, just being stabbed in the back. Oh, that's a good point. That'd be just so great. Shaboring. Shaboring, look this gift horse in the mouth. It's the Trojans. You remember when we went to that SC game? How handsy that old woman was on my leg. Yes, I do. She- like must like you were looking at me like yo she's massaging. Talk about that. talk talk about a pre-COVID story sitting right next to people at a college basketball game and getting getting just you know hand checked the whole time. She was like, oh, you know, so creepy. She was like Joe Dumars guarding Jordan in the eighty <laughs> finals in the you in know eighty eight Eastern Conference Championship. Just hands on your sides the entire time, and it made no sense. She's she's next to her husband and. You know, we're having small talk and all we have a podcast and she's like massaging my thigh. Oh, you have a lady because I have a podcast doesn't mean you can give me a hand job. I mean, what's going on here? Oh, you boys live around here. Pre-COVID, pre-Me Too. That was right when Me Too was dropping. 
Yeah. She was trying to get her last licks in. Oh, the women, women have been, let's, let's call it what it is. Women have been pretty clear from most of that. Can, can, again, can you imagine the reversal? A 70 year old man is rubbing a woman's leg in her thirties. That old man decapitated him at half court. Yeah. That old man is not, he's not making it through that game. Nice arena though. I liked the Galen center. Yeah, it was fun. It's nice. Now, now, did you watch all the games this weekend, Andy? Were you like watched a lot of them? I watched. Uh, who's who impresses you? Like, I mean, I think SC is very, very impressive. Gonzaga's obviously been very impressive. Michigan looked really good against Florida State. Yep. I didn't watch much of that game. But I I caught the second half, but they kind of like you know they're just running away. With Juwan it. Howard has him. He's got him running efficient offense. Like he just. He, he really has them playing great. And, and here's a fun quick fact. Yesterday, they said this during the game because Grant Hill was calling that game with uh, Jim Nance and Bill Raftery. Yesterday was the anniversary of the infamous Grant Hill to Christian Leitner. Wow. And I'm going to ask you this because I was with a couple of buddies last night. We were talking about where we were at. I knew exactly where I was at. Were you watching it live? I was in my parents' house with my dad and my brother, Greg, watching that game live. So that's a great sports memory for me. I was watching it live, but I don't, I have like that, that, that particular uh, basketball run is a very, like, it's very blurry for me, but I feel like I might be confusing it, but I feel like I was, I, I, I mean, it's usually right around spring break, right? Like, wouldn't this be spring break? Yes. I think I was on spring break. I think my family was away on vacation. I want to say we were in like Lake Placid or something like that. Interesting. Yeah. Cause spring break for a lot of the kids is next week or this week. Yeah. But I'm I remember positive. It, it, it's a little blurry, but you know, I want to say I was like in a hotel room in like Lake Placid. I mean, what, what, you know, I would put that up there. As far as for me and seeing something live, because again, a lot of times you don't see stuff live. We talked about the malice in the palace and how crazy that was to watch live, right? Mm -hmm. I'd put that up there, that 1992 game, to see that live. I'm looking now, the final score was 104-103. And I always remember that it was at the spectrum yeah, because the center court, it's pretty unbelievable. The UCLA game was real interesting. It was, it was kind of sloppy and ugly, but he hits that three at the end, and then UCLA just goes off. I mean, yeah, the sloppiness of come you come down to that final play. I mean, I'm just glad. Obviously, I have I have you know minimal college rooting interests, but I root for Syracuse and I root for UCLA. Uh, I've you know a West Coast team and an East Coast team. Syracuse obviously loses uh, a couple days ago, so I'm left with UCLA. And, you know, trying to trying to get into it. I'm rooting hard for him. I mean, the, the final possession, I'm just glad they survived in overtime because that final possession of regulation could have been their undoing. I don't even know how you, like, props to them for bouncing back from that. But what a debacle. You have a foul to give. You 
I mean, I don't even know if it was, was it a foul to give or they were had, they had, they could just foul the guy and send him to the line when they're down three, you know, it's like, I never understand. They didn't even, it seemed like they were like specifically not fouling to let the guy, to let them get a shot off in hopes that they miss. And it's like, and, and also props to Alabama for being the first team in, you know, 15 years of me watching college basketball. I don't, you know, I think it was the last, I think Leitner was the last one where uh, a guy didn't just get the ball at the inbounds, come all the way up the court, take a heave shot on his own. Like good, good on them for actually making a pass in a final possession, which I feel like if more teams did that, you'd get more open looks like that. But I mean, he gets a wide open look. I know it's a deep look, but he's wide open. Why do you not foul? They had 6.5 seconds with the ball. You're up three. You always foul. You always foul. Yeah. But also you have, you, you can foul. So why not just play tight? And if you foul, you foul. Yeah. Obviously I, I don't, don't, you don't want to foul a shooter from three, but yeah, but good on them for surviving after that. I'm all in on UCLA. I'm all in on really UCLA and you, SC. I, I think, but I think UCLA, Michigan's going to be tough for them. I agree. I'm not all in in terms of thinking that they're going to win. I'm just all in on my rooting for them. I can't and imagine. I'm all, and I'm, I can't and imagine I'm all what, in on SC in terms of gambling on them. Can't imagine what's going on with Bill Walton. He's got the Beavers, the Bruins, and the Tro- Trojans. Three pretty unique mascots. That's got to really get. As I know, Bill loves the mascots. Well, let's get him on the phone. Okay. Andy Ruther and Joe Prano, you're asking me about beavers and Bruins and Trojans. How about that? How about that on a Noah's Ark? You've just got a you've just got a couple of beavers. You're building a dam. Some Bruins, you know, deep in the waters, pulling out salmon with their snouts. And of course, you know, the armor-clad Trojans with their swords pulled, ready to defend both of these fine nature's finest animals. I mean, the Pac-12, there'd be ducks involved, too, if only they didn't have to face the Trojans. I think that going forward, absolutely, let's make it a rule. Pac-12 teams spread out evenly in the four different regions so that we can get a super final four, a final four of the Pacific's greatest foes fighting each other for a championship. You're looking at the map and up north, you've got the Beavers. And then of the California state flag, you've got a bear, a Bruin. Oh, it's what a, what a majestic animal. You know, one time, Andy, I was... In uh, I was in the the northern part of California. Obviously, UCLA is down here in Southern California. But I was up in the you know there is a Weed, California. There's a there's a city in California called Weed. I used to take summer camping trips there. I was out there in the woods, and I came came out of the woods from going to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom to go to the number two. Threw it down in a hole. I buried it. Kicked, kicked it, kicked that hole close with my feet. I turned a corner, and what was staring at me right there? A gigantic bear, a majestic Bruin. And in that moment, I was fearing for my life. I said, I said to myself, what do, you, what do you do in this situation? And that's when it hit me. Do you know what I did, Andy? I looked at him and I said, I too am a Bruin. I am a seven foot Bruin. You are a seven foot Bruin. And in that moment, we winked at each other. We shook hand to Paul, 
And then he went and took a dump in the woods. And I went back to my campsite and continued to smoke the greatest weed that's ever been grown in weed, California. It's a remarkable story. Now, we have three Pac-12 teams, but we also have another Northwest school. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's UCLA. Fight on Bruins. Here we go. They say fight on for the Trojans. But listen, I've never been a Trojan fan. Our cross-city rivalry. Also, they just don't fit me. I can't wear them. So I'm seven feet tall. What about Gonzaga, the other Northwest team? Gonzaga. Gonzaga, a great basketball team, a great basketball tradition up there. But they need to make an adjustment in their tradition. It's like, you know, Andy, I dominated when I was at UCLA, me and the greatest coach that's ever walked the face of the earth in any sport, John Wooden, we won 88 straight basketball games, Andy. 88. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't say, let me just stay here at UCLA forever. I proved myself. I dominated the Pac-10 at the time, and I moved on to the NBA, where I won the MVP and a championship. I didn't just stay there, but that's what Gonzaga is doing. They're swimming in the kiddie pool. You're the fastest swimmers in the kiddie pool. It's time to sack up. Gonzaga, are you a great basketball program or not? Are you a, you know why you're not a champion? Because you don't play in the conference of champions. Sack up. Take your balls. And I'm not talking about the ones you dribble on the court. Put them on the table and say, Pac-12, we want to join you. How about a Pac-13? I love it. I think that's a great idea, Bill. Anything to join it? Grow up, Gonzaga. You'll never be champions until you're a part of the Conference of Champions. No one's ever referred to the West Coast Conference as the Conference of Champions. They refer to it as, well, let's be honest, they don't refer to it. Well, it's always good for you to make time for us. I know you're a busy man. You're watching games. You're camping out. You're spending time in the TP. Any other parting words for our listeners? No, I just want to say that I think that the Pac-12 has proven their worth this year. And I think that you should all tune in next year and watch a lot of regular season Pac-12 basketball. Why? Because that's where I'll be. I'll be there covering the Beavers and the Buffaloes, the Ducks and the Bruins. Oh, what a glorious thing. You know, you, when you think about just, uh, an, again, a Noah's Ark-like collection of animals, what do you need? What do you need more than ducks and beavers and bruins? I guess the cardinal are there too. That's a tree of some sort or some, it was just a color. So Stanford can go fuck itself. And you know, I don't like to swear. That's the first, that's the first time I've said the F word since 1978, but <laughs> Cardinal change your gosh darn mascot. Oh, You're embarrassing what, us. What a, what a great way to end this call. Thanks for joining Bill. Bill Walton, ladies and gentlemen. Man, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Joe. I, he 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 caught me off guard there at the end with that f bomb. Yeah, he doesn't swear. No, very unlike Bill. Been some coaching shakeups too in the college ranks. Yeah, ones that I find interesting. Now let's talk. You're you're way more of a college basketball guy than me. You're way you're certainly way more in touch with the college basketball. You you've had some strong opinions in the past about uh, the movement of college basketball coaches. In particular, talk to me Xavier. about this. Talk to me about the Shaka Smart situation. Now, this seems like a step back. 
I would I would say that too. But here's the thing. Here's the things. That, here's a few things that are in play. He gets that big contract. He coaches VCU, right? He takes yep. them to the Final Four. Yep. Like UCLA this year, they were a play-in game. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's re- I think that's the only team to do that. Go to the Final Four in a play-in game. It just never panned out there. It never worked out, right? Like, Where? like at Texas. And he was on the hot seat before last season. Then the pandemic ended the season. This year, they win the Big 12 tournament. Did they fire him? No. Okay. I think he might have been fired, but also, you know, Marquette is a good job. Don't get me wrong. No doubt about it. And it's Big East. And obviously, they put out a lot of great players and they have a history of being good. He's also from Wisconsin. So, you know, there is a home state thing going on there. I think he basically got out before he would get fired. But from a program perspective, you know, it's Texas, right? Everything's bigger in Texas. So it is a step back, I would argue. Specifically Shaka Smart's hair. Yes. He went from no hair to, wow, he had a lot of hair. I think he got out ahead of time. I think that was the move. And that's why he did it. But I was also, I was also a little, when I saw the headline, I was like, wow, normally it'd be the other way around. You went Marquette to Texas because Marquette is still a small private Catholic school. But again, look, they, they do have a nice little history. So I think he made his move that way. The Indiana hire was kind of, that was a, Eye scratcher for me, head scratcher. Well, I mean, a head scratcher for me, uh, because I'm very, you know, I'm very, I, I know a whole lot about Mike Woodson at this point. Um, obviously, replaces my my boy Mike D'Antoni in the for the Knicks 2012 2014. You know, takes over uh, basically the Carmelo. You know, he's the Carmelo hire. Uh, he's an assistant on that team. He gets upgraded to the head coach. He was an assistant on the team this year under Thibodeau. Um, he coached the Atlanta Hawks for, you know, I I don't know, five, six seasons, something like that was decent. But I think the move here, and I don't know anything about Indiana basketball, uh, but it seems like to me, this is kind of a, Jawan Howard ish response. It's like take a guy from the NBA who's maybe coaching at like an advanced level. They both went of, to their school they played for and they were in both, terms of strategy. Yeah, they were both great and, at those schools. And come down. Now I think it's safe to say, again, I know, you know, Tug could probably weigh in more on this, but it's safe to say uh Jawan Howard isn't, you know, running a general type of uh coaching staff there. I don't think he's, it's it's safe to say he's a player's coach, which is Mike Woodson's MO for sure. Like that's first and foremost, what I'll tell you, a player's coach. The question is, does that work at the college level? It can, but you need that talent. And does Indiana basketball, like I'm just not sure if bringing in a player's coach, who's going to be like buddy, buddy with everybody, is what you do to put a 
program back on the map. Michigan was never really off the map. Michigan, like, you know, was, they just made the final four a few years ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And they've they've gotten elite players there for, you know, we're talking about years over a decade at this point. I mean, the, the guys that have come through there. So I can tell you one thing. Um, I've never liked Mike Woodson as a head basketball coach anywhere. Um, does it work in college? Because again, he brings, you know, kind of the next level of knowledge and he, and he, you know, comes down. He certainly worked under great coaches. He's worked under great coaches. He's worked under great defensive coaches. He's worked under great offensive coaches. So, uh, nice guy, never disliked him. Um, but never, never wanted him to be the head coach of my basketball team. So, you know, can a guy like that come down and just be successful at the college level? Well, Juwan Howard is, you know, Juwan Howard was an assistant in the NBA. Um, but I think that that's going to be an interesting, is it, you know, can he do it with less talent? I think it is different though. This is Juwan's first head coaching position. Juwan's a lot younger. I mean, I'm just looking at obvious things. Mike Woodson, 63. Also, I think the guys who come into Michigan know who Juwan Howard is. That's what I'm saying. I did not know myself that Mike Woodson was a part of some of those legendary, including the undefeated Indiana team. I didn't know that. I mean, he played before I was born. Yeah. So that is a good point that you bring up as well. Everybody knows Juwan Howard. Everybody knows the yeah. Fab Five. I Listen, I have tons of Mike Woodson experience and uh, do not love him as a head basketball coach. I think the problem... But I know very little about, you know, how that transition works going back to college basketball. So I guess we'll find out. But if I was a college basketball fan, if I was an Indiana fan, if I was a Knicks slash Indiana basketball fan, which I'm sure there are a few of out there, I'd be pretty devastated right now. Devastated. I'd be devastated because, I mean, I saw what he did with our team, which is, you know, win a couple, win, I believe, win a playoff series, uh, you know, on the, on the fumes of Mike D'Antoni, and then immediately lead them to some of the worst seasons that they've had in the history of the franchise and let Carmelo Anthony run rampant and let, you know, the whole thing fell apart. So, yeah, I'd be pretty devastated. Something I noticed with a lot of major college basketball and college football programs is we're still stuck a lot of times in the past, right? Like when you and I grew up, Indiana was so revered, so respected. The truth is they haven't made a final four since 2002. Right. In fact, they haven't made an elite eight since 2002. I'm looking right now. I mean, I mean, but but that is interesting to say. We're talking basically 20 years, almost 20 years. They've made an elite eight. So my point is they have the money, they have the alumni, they have the boosters, but the job isn't what it once was. And I think that's important to remember. And I think that shows in the hire of Mike Woodson. And, and, and I don't know, Joe, like I think they were having this discussion on one of the pre or post game shows, which I thought was interesting during the March madness is like, how long do you give a coach to 
we, we are in such a, a win now, win now. And a few of these coaches that are still playing it didn't win right away. They're starting to win. I think honestly, I think that at the college ranks, they should get more time. Like they should absolutely get more time than, than other places. I mean, you look at uh, the big 10, like when's the last time the big 10 had, you know, an NCAA champion. Like you need to start by like, start, let them get in there, let them coach a season. For, for the, the first season should be freebie. I don't care if you go over second season. Can you compete in your conference third season? Can you make a run in the tournament? And then you're building and that, and that's building a program. Once you make a run in a tournament, now kids out there who could potentially come to your school, go, I remember watching them in the elite eight. I remember watching them in the final four. I remember watching them wherever. And then obviously the goal is that as a championship, but the idea of changing the culture in terms of recruiting, you can't just go out there. You know, he can't just go, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to go be I'm going to go get the three best players in college basketball. That's what happens in the NBA. I'm going to go get three of the best players and we're going to be the best team in the East. You know what I mean? So you have to give a chance a guy to build that. I mean, first things first, like, you know, win you know, make some noise in your conference. I think that's the problem though, is everybody wants you to win instantly. And in the past, when we grew up, guys did get some time and you see some guys now, Jim Beheim has been coaching for 45 years. It's unbelievable. They showed those pictures during that Houston game. He looks the same now as he did in 1977. Yeah. But also there's certainly years in there. Right. There's certainly four years in a row where it was a disappointing run for Syracuse. Right. For, for sure. He's been coaching for 45 years. You got to be able to give a guy three years to figure it out, like entirely. Yeah. I agree. Well, look at SC. We're talking about them. He's been there eight years. They're, they're now making some noise. Yeah. People just expect you to win right away. And it takes time and it's so competitive. And I, I think the talent level, I think that's what's changed about college. It's just really spread out, right? And with the transfer portals, not every great player is going maybe, and I don't follow it closely enough. Is that maybe kind of what happened to Duke this year? Like, I don't know, like, like not every great player. Now, obviously they've had great guys recently. And maybe this year is just kind of an outlier, but there's so many good players that are just spread out now, right? That if you're the best player in the state of Indiana in the past, you're going to IU. Now you can go anywhere. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Well, you're certainly not going to Indiana anymore. Certainly not a sure thing you're going there. No. Who's winning it all, Andy? Man, I hate to say it. It's just Gonzaga. It looks like they're going to be tough to beat. I would like SC to beat them, though. That'd be great. Your point about Shabelli losing to a hometown school. <laughs> be awesome, right? It'd be pretty funny. So, I don't know. But I, I think Gonzaga is going to be tough to beat. I just, I just think they will. So we get Gonzaga, SC, 
Baylor, Arkansas. Baylor's there's a lot of teams playing good. Baylor's playing good. Again, I like how Michigan's playing. That Michigan UCLA game's gonna be a fun one, huh? And then Oregon State, Houston. None is, of this. I look. Is the Beavers run over? Man, that Houston Syracuse game. We called that on stakes. That was an ugly game. It was an ugly game. Oh my god! Because no Julie. That's why it was ugly. No Julie Beheim. <laughs> And Jim Beheim did kill somebody. I looked that up during the game. Yeah. Just for the record. Anybody, anybody, anybody following. I mean, it was an accident. He still killed somebody. Yeah. Okay. I want to, I want to, you know, the bar, the bar is pretty low. Like if we're like, I mean, let's not talk about him like he murdered. He was driving on a, on a highway. Okay. Fair point. Fair point. It kind of looked like a Caitlyn Jenner thing though. Like How do they look like a Caitlyn Jenner thing? Like some negligence happening. Was that the dude out of his car? Yeah, but I, you know, look, I'm not saying more I'm of a all- Tony Stewart thing. Like, bro, why are you out on a racetrack? I forgot about that. I'm not saying I'm 24 seven paying attention as well as I should be when I'm driving. Just, so he just a random shot fired at Jim Beheim, <laughs> killed a guy in a blizzard. I don't even know if I have killed a guy in a blizzard. Like I may have, I've, 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 I've thumped some things in a car in a blizzard. Yeah. Yeah. Was that a beaver or is that a human being who can tell? I don't know. I wasn't there, Joe. I don't know what really happened. Yeah, I'm waiting for that ESPN 30 for 30. We got some good calls today. We're going to get to some some quick NFL news. Yeah. But before we do that, Joe, I just want to say that I am so hungry. It's about 2.30 here. And I'm excited because I have a nice freezer full of meat from ButcherBox. Guys, ButcherBox helps you make mealtime moments feel special year-round. Doesn't matter whether it's the holidays, not the holidays. Each month they send you a box of the highest quality meat for a better price than the grocery store. Gives you more time to spend cooking and sharing delicious, high quality meals with your family and friends. I'll be doing that this week with my family. We're going to celebrate a little Easter over here. And uh, I'm excited. I got a lot of great butcher box. And like I said, guys, every month, if you want some Great meat sent directly to your house. It ships a curated selection of high quality meat directly to your home. All meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones. And each box has about 10 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individuals. It's packed fresh, ship frozen, and vacuum sealed so it stays that way. And you can customize your boxes. Right now, Butcher Box is offering new members ground beef for life. That's two pounds of ground beef in every box for the life of their subscription. Simply go to butcherbox.com forward slash dirty. That's butcherbox.com slash dirty. What a great deal, Joe. Ground beef for life. Man. I I love butcher box. I love the steaks. I love the beef. I love 
their chicken. I love it all. But ground beef for life. Come on now. Yeah. So such a such a simple, easy solution for your meat problems, guys. Put your for box your meat problems. Butcherbox.com forward slash dirty. If you got meat problems, Butcherbox is your solution. That's right. Okay. There was a major trade that happened since we last did our Thursday podcast. 49ers are trading. I'm sorry, did trade their number. Sorry, the Dolphins traded. To the Dolphins 49ers. Their number three pick, three pick to the 49ers for the 12 pick and future picks. And then have since traded again to move into the sixth spot where the Eagles were. So here's a quick breakdown. Dolphins will get the number six pick, a fifth round pick, a 2022 first round, 2022 third round, and 2023 first round. Lots of first rounds. The Eagles will get a number 12 pick in this year's draft. Also a fourth round pick and a first round pick in 2022. And the Niners get that number three pick this year, which makes everyone think they got a QB they want. Yep. Because you're not trading all that away unless you got a quarterback that you're going after. Yeah. And, and there's a couple, obviously, options for them. It sounds like, you know, all the signs are pointing toward Trevor Lawrence at one and then Zach Wilson at two, although not necessarily a sure thing for the Jets. And then they're left with, you know, a couple of great options there. Now, it's, I guess, a core question of which of those guys do they like? A lot of people are, you know, there's, there's three or four guys in, in the mix there. And, you know, obviously if they think those guys go one, two, they must have their eye on, on one of them in particular, knowing that they're going to get them. So uh, they're going quarterback safe to say, and they're also not moving Garoppolo. So maybe, maybe according to them, they're not moving Garoppolo. Um, so, I mean, I like it. I like the Niners being all in. They were they're uh, you know, one year removed from the Super Bowl, they get a quarterback, they can get them on a rookie deal, and this is how you do it. You know, you put all the money into the other positions, you get a quarterback you think you can win with on a rookie deal, and you go for it. I like it for for the Niners. Um, I got to say, you know, the one part of this deal that is throwing me off was I was told that. Uh, Getting up, getting that sixth pick in the draft was the single most important thing for the Eagles. Why be 12 when you can be six? You know, well, can you imagine if we had won that game? We'd be 11th like the Giants instead of six. We want to be sixth. We're going to lose our coach over being sixth. We're going to lose our quarterback over being sixth. We want to be sixth. Now they're 12th. <laughs> so, okay. Okay, Eagles. I like the steel bass for the Dolphins. Yeah. The Dolphins move back three spots. Don't need a quarterback. Or I mean, I would argue they probably do, but they don't think they need a quarterback and they stockpile picks by moving back spots that they can still get the guy they want to get it. It gives them the ability to really build a team, which they've already done pretty well, and continue to build it with multiple first round picks in the future. I like it. 
Yeah, it's a great move for the Dolphins. I think I think it's the best move of the three teams. I think the Dolphins get the best value out of all this. I'd be shocked if Garoppolo was. I don't know if he was on the team. There's still a lot of rumors that the Patriots might trade for him if they want him. A lot's up in the air, but it's a big trade. Yep. And the NFL will announce, I think, later this week, they will go to 17 games. Hate it. I agree. Alvin Hate Kamara it. agrees, too. I mean, these poor guys and their bodies and the, the, way, and the way they're treated by the NFL, just in general. Um, but, you know, we're the problem, Joe. Let's be honest. Because we're going to watch it. We're going to watch well, yeah. it. But I'd watch it if it was four games. I'd watch it if it was 50 games. I'd watch it if it was ever. Like, yeah. I mean, actually, I think, you know, you, you can say that, but I think the problem is still, you know, owners that don't treat their players like they're human beings. Yeah. And the and, NFL is just cranking the, out money. Right. And the owners can do that because they make money. But like, I just don't understand how benefit, like, how beneficial is one more fucking game? Millions of dollars. Okay, that's what now, it is. Now, here's the question: If you're the owner of the Saints, and it's millions of dollars, and your star running back fucking hates it, and your star receiver goes down in some game and then gets hurt, like, do you? Do you make more money hosting one more playoff game? I bet you do. Yeah, I, I think they're just looking at how much can I maximize my possible return on investment like now. And that's the only way they look at it. These guys aren't owning teams for the pure. They're not like what you just said is a almost strategic way to win. Like you don't want to risk, like you said, that star receiver or running back getting injured. They don't care. Bottom line, money. But I agree. You know, it's been 16 games, I believe, since 77 or 78. It's the longest the NFL has ever gone without adding games. It's not broke. We don't need to fix it. Keep it as it is. We've already added an extra you know, one Team last buy. Yeah. yeah. By adding one more game. You know, when does it end? Because that's where it gets scary is we were at 17. And in five years, they're going to want 18. We're going to have a 52 week schedule for the NFL. They're never going to have a break at some point. It's going to be rotating guys. And they like what this does to their bodies for sure. That's where they need to be taken care of after they retire. And we're not going to reduce the number of preseason games, or we're not going to reduce this. or We're not going to reduce that. They're not getting paid more. No, they're literally making less per game now. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talked about it on this show. We were like, Hey, should we do a third episode every week? And we like, you know, we talked about doing that on Patreon. We talked about whatever, and it didn't work out. I'm not doing a third episode just for the same amount of money. No, 
Got to get paid. Yeah. Time is money. I hate it. And you, ha- you have to listen. You have to listen to your employers. Employees, I'm sorry. Oh, the NFL's never been listening to their employees. Not for one second, ever. There has to be some sort of give and take, some sort of compromise. But again, the players too, man, like use your power. Be like, we're not doing this. It's, it's that game that, that you always play of chicken. Who's going to give in? I don't know. What's this I see on the rundown about tug demands that his caddies oh, get? Oh, yeah. I put that on there because he, he said it to me three times before I left the golf course. I, I golf with tug on Friday. This is, I, I almost feel like Tug's wanting, uh, well, first of all, I'm going to give him his props because he absolutely, uh, you know, deserves props, but I feel like, you know, Tug, uh, Tug was very upset at how golf gave unraveled. And I okay. feel like this, this is Tug perhaps wanting like, you know, to be like, he was like, I want this mentioned on dirty sports. I almost feel like he wants, you know, some, uh, some positive golf, uh, news coming out of our, our dirty sports golf, golf games. So I, I golf with tug on Friday, uh, played with him and two of his buddies. And, uh, we did a little match play tug and, uh, the, the, the worst of the four golfers went up against, uh, myself and his buddy Meb. And, um, we are, it was a pretty good match, pretty even, and then, you know, we're, we're in pairs, we're teamed and I'm not teamed with tug. Now on the ninth hole, we play Rancho park, uh, on the ninth hole, I, uh, I hit a pretty solid drive, hit a, you know, hit a straight, very long, um, you know, it's like a 385 yard par four. I've got like 75 in 65 in after my drive. Tug also hits one long, but he's out in the trees. He's hit it long. He's hit it right into the trees. Um, our other two guys are just scrambling around. I chip up and I've got maybe, I don't know, call it a 15 foot putt. Tug hits a brilliant save out of the woods and puts himself at like five feet. So our two guys are scrambling out. Tug and I are both on the green with birdie putts in two. So my teammate is lost somewhere finding his ball. You know, we're, again, we're on, we're on early. So while Tug's up there, Tug's got the closer putt. So I, I'm putting first. I go, hey, Tug, I know you're not on my team. But, you know, we're still friends. We're, still, we're sure. still friendly. We're still golfing together. I like to help people. I'll find your ball, even though I'm not on your team. I'll do whatever. So I, go t- I literally say, hey, Tug, I know you're not on my team. But how about a little help with this putt read? I've got myself about, I'm thinking about a foot right here. And he's like, no, I would go more than that. I got you about over here. And I'm like, thanks. Just wanted a second, you know, set of eyes on it. So I line up my long birdie putt and sink it. And then Tug comes out. He sinks his, uh, he sinks his short birdie putt, matching birdies on the ninth hole. And it was, it was, it was just great golf all around, you know, two guys, you know, two friends, two podcast cohorts making birdies at the turn. 
And uh, he, he was like, I demand that you talk about my caddying on the Dirty Sports Podcast. Wow. He, goes, I, he, wanted, he wanted me to point out, one, that his caddying skills are great, which I got to say, Tug, Tug's, Tug can read a green. Tug was helping. He, he regularly is sinking long putts. He's regularly helping everybody else out on the course with his green reading. And then also, he really wanted me to point out that he helped me despite not being on my team. You know, he, he want, he made a putt read for me, even though it would, it hurt him. It definitely sounds like some residual effect from golf. game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a hundred percent that, but I appreciate the putt read and I'm, you know, it's, it's glorious to put a birdie down on the card. It was a great hole. You know, I had a great drive at a decent approach. You got to hit a long putt for birdie. I did it. I had Tug's help. Props to Tug. I love golfing with Tug. I asked him to golf with me tomorrow. He can't do it. He's on his. He's in his last days of freedom before a third child arrives. He's moving. When's the kid due? I think the kid's due uh, right around the time that you'll be arriving in Los Angeles. So Uncle Andy, be able to go go meet the newborn. And but, he's mo- it, it, will he be moved before then? Yeah, I think he's moving. I think he's moving coming up here. I think he might even be moving like this week. I, I'm assuming like it's an April 1st arrival into the move and props to tug. I, uh, again, I appreciate the putt read, but I mean, in the walk from the ninth hole to the 10th hole, I think he said it twice. And on the walk up the 10th fairway, I think he said it again. He's like, I, I, dema- I demand this is mentioned on dirty sports. I'm going to tune in to hear it on dirty sports. So <laughs> tug, this is your mention. Great caddying always from tug Coker, but especially crossing team lines to to green read for me when you guys play are people getting stoned or no that was the other thing i wanted to mention which was hilarious so because i think weed goes great with golf yeah so i didn't smoke that day i think i forgot to pack it i generally i generally smoke i either bring a pen yeah or or we i I, with my knee, I've been going heavy CBD to start and then mixing it in Laz, Laz brings Laz is like Pablo Escobar. He brings like a, he brings like a cigar case of joints and just hands them out. Um, which I appreciate. Yeah. So there's usually, there's usually weed being smoked. I don't know if anybody did on Friday, but there was some drinking. Um, I packed a lot of beers in my minimal golf bag, cooler pocket. Um, his buddy, uh, Jeff brought um, whiskey and brought um, <laughs> Bloody Mary stuff. And we poured me a Bloody Mary on the course, which was nice. But honestly, my favorite moment was at like 15 or something like that. I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't really, I didn't have a lot for breakfast that day. I didn't have much. Eat. And then I said, I even said this at, the, at, at Rancho, the like halfway house is on twelve. It's a Friday afternoon. We get to the halfway house closed, no hot dogs, no beers. I was like, I'm going to start a class action lawsuit. How am I not able to buy beers on a Friday afternoon, beer and a hot dog on a Friday afternoon? Like how dare Rancho Park do that to me? But on 18, we're teeing off and tug out of nowhere. It goes, I'm wasted. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I, go, I go, that's awesome. He's like, I'm, I'm kind of fucking wasted. I was like, hell yeah, Tug. 
good. He needs it. He's about to have three kids running around. Yeah. Unreal. That's what happens when they don't give you a hot dog at the turn. You, know, you had you had Tug Coker, American acting legend, just wasted on your 18th. Not the first time an acting legend has probably been wasted on the 18th at Rancho, one of LA's most famous golf courses. But man, we almost lost Jim's brother out there. We need taco trucks on golf courses. I agree. That's what they need. That needs to be the new upgrade. When you come out here, we'll have to play Penmar again because they the Penmars turned their little restaurant into quite a little spot. Only if I can just stroke a homeless person by stroke a homeless person by hooking it left. Yeah. They're, they're all gone. No. Penmar has been cleaned up. I think Andy Laz, uh, you know, I think Andy Laz put a couple of, uh, Venice gays duffel bags filled with money into some cop cars. And suddenly, Suddenly, Penmar Park is clean. I saw they didn't they clean up Echo Park or clean up uh, MacArthur Park. Is that it? Yeah, one of them. My question always is, where do they go? Now they're just down at the boardwalk. <laughs> the mayor Fair has out. the mayor has a homeless person sponsored volleyball game. Yeah. It's like, come on in. I got some meth for you. We'll play some pool volleyball. Well, we have some good calls today. Hotline 310-359-8365. Get some calls going. Let's do it. What's going on, guys? This is Tommy calling from Athens, Georgia. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but HBO is doing a a live-action documentary kind of thing about the 1980s um, L.A. Lakers, and they've just cast Bo Burnham as Larry Bird, which I thought was Oh, Ruther. Hold on. I hit the wrong thing. They just cast Bo Burnham as Larry Bird, which I thought was extremely strange. And I also thought this is offensive to legendary Larry Bird actor, Tug Coker. So I just wanted to know, what are your thoughts on Bo Burnham the stand-up comedian playing Larry Bird in this, and and who would you rather see play Larry Bird? Thanks, guys. And condoms are for the University of Georgia. Now, I alerted Tug to this. Yes, he liked it. He did in our group text. He supported this. Yeah, he supported it. I have not watched any Bo Burnham stand-up ever. I think there was a guitar involved. Am piano. I crazy? Piano. 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 Um, so that is why I've never watched it. Um, I did watch Eighth Grade, I believe, is the movie he directed, which was pretty good. Um, I believe he also directed one of... Uh, he, he directed another comics special that I thought was pretty good. Um, my question is, how tall is Bo Burnham? <laughs> He's pretty tall. Okay. I mean, if Tug approves of it, I'm fine with it. Tug I mean, is also, Tug is very non-confrontational. Right. Tug's not trying to start Bo Burnham beef. Bo Burnham is listed as 6'5 on Wikipedia. Okay. So there you go. He's he's light-haired. Um, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. He's certainly around the right age. 
for what they're going for. He's 30. Yeah. Tuck did make a good point, though. He's never going to be shooting. Right. I love how we're just assuming he has no athletic ability. I'm assuming yeah, that's that's correct, but uh, I could be wrong. I mean, he's six five. Did he play basketball in high school? He's from Massachusetts, so he's got the Boston connection, at least as far as the same state. Mm-hmm. Early life and education. He went to NYU. He was in the theater in high school. Sounds like probably not a hooper. Not a single theater kid play basketball. Has that ever happened? Like, like in the history of high school, has a theater kid ever played basketball? Is Tug Coker our answer? Tug was Tug in theater in high school. I don't no know. Way. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I was looking at the actors. I didn't recognize a lot of them. Who was like, you know, the full cast with the Bus Family and should be a fun a- show though. It's based off. Uh, Based off our guy, Jeff Perlman's book. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be Adam McKay. His Love brother. that. So Love he, Adam McKay. I don't know if he's writing it. I know he's directing it. So, uh, yeah. That, that'll so be it sounds, like, sounds like we're all okay with it at, at the very least. Yeah. Something I'd want to watch. We're all okay with the Bo Burnham casting. I think, it, you know, who am I to give it approval when... Uh, you know, an outlying member of the Dirty Sports family played Larry Bird on Broadway. If if Tug approves, I've got like who am I to disapprove? Sure, I agree. All right, we had the Kobe Shaq Prime with random people yes. like myself and you yes. and Maddie Goldberg. Somebody followed up with that. Okay. For another discussion off another okay. question. Okay. What's up, Joe and Andy? I just wanted to follow up uh, with another hypothetical um, inspired by last week's discussion about Shaq and Kobe. Um, if you were going to place a rec league player in, and it was required that they had to play at all times um, during the game, what sport would it be the easiest um, and what sport would it be the hardest to win the game uh, with a rec league player on the field or on the court at all times. Uh, of all the major team sports, including hockey uh, and, I guess, soccer, um, and I know you guys don't watch hockey, but this actually has happened in the past. If both goalies get injured, um, they actually designate an emergency goalie and they throw the equipment manager in, and it's, it's happened before, and teams have actually won, so... I'm just curious to hear what you guys think, which sports that would be easiest and where you would place somebody on if they, uh, where you would place them on the field. Peace. I think this one's pretty easy for me. Yeah. It's baseball, right? Baseball is going to be the easiest. Basketball is going to be the hardest. If they have to be out there and you can just like kind of pick their spot, like, you know, what are you putting for baseball? The outfield, right? Yeah, I throw him in the left field. And, uh, you know, he's only going to come up once every nine batters. Sure. So it's going to be fine. I mean, Garth Brooks has played in spring training games. <laughs> I didn't know that. For yeah. real? Yeah. Will Farrell played in some spring training games. I think that was more um, like a stunt. 
No, yeah, but I'm saying they're, you know, it's it's definitely baseball because there's just so many more, there's more players and then you can you can hide them and then they don't necessarily have to factor in any given play. You know what I mean? Football wide yeah. receiver, you just run out. Yeah, for sure. That would be, but also it's going to have an effect on your team more so because they're like, fuck that guy, right? We barely have to cover him. So you're now you can now change your scheme to like basically allow that guy to be able to catch a ball if you wanted. Whereas in baseball, you can't really like even in baseball, if you're a pitcher and you know you got your gut, like if you got DeGrom on the mound, you got a guy on left, you know, throw it outside to all the righties, throw it inside to all the lefties. Like you you can you can work around that guy. I just think and also I don't know enough about hockey. Um Soccer you skating hockey. You're going to be a disaster. You got to put a guy on skates, right? Come on. But, but this is a rec league player. You know, we're not talking about a guy who's not, not doesn't know how to skate. This isn't Matty Goldberg is the guy on every, in every one of these things. We're talking, <laughs> we're talking about a guy who's, you know, a rec league player, like a competent, I don't know. The mental hockey. image of Goldberg on skates. Yeah. Does he, fall, does he, hold on. Does he fall instantly? Yes. Like instantly falls down. I can just listen. I can just see him listening. It's like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Woodstock hockey league. I scored four goals. How dare you? Fucking Prano. No way Prano can fucking skate better than me. Well, well Jerry Seinfeld and that, and that Maddie impersonation. What are you doing? Did, did you, have, you have the... The shadow boxing yeah. down. You have it to a T, the Maddie G shadow boxing. <laughs> this, this is why you gotta watch the YouTube video. Oh my yeah. god. It's not shadow boxing, it's shadow hockey fighting. Um, I don't know enough about hockey to know that, like, if you put a guy like literally any position in the NBA, if you just took a rec league Donnie and dropped him on an NBA floor. I don't care who the other guy, the other guy scoring 75 points. Yeah. That's definitely the hardest. Right. For sure. So speaking of Maddie. Yeah. We have, oh, we have two calls from this area code. Oh, so we'll play them both. I don't know which one this is. This is either about Maddie or about a dirty sports theme show or okay. a Fitz question. One of these, we'll get to both calls. Okay. Hey, boys. This is Buck from Los Angeles, Joe Chabelli's good buddy. And I have one. Uh, oh, this is the Fitz one. But by the way, Gotta Love Chabelli's got a buddy named Buck. Oh, yeah. Question for formerly, you. Is this formerly Bucky? I tagged you boys in something on Twitter that fancied my interest. Um, the call is mostly about, do you think Ryan Fitzpatrick deserves to be a Hall of Famer? Stay dirty, boys. Condoms are for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Shots fired at your belly. Dude, multiple people have called about this. Guys, are we serious, guys? Well, I saw the I Hall saw the Famer. Come on, I saw this. I saw the tweet thing, which was that he has to go to the Pro Bowl to even be can, to be 
a potential NFL Hall of Famer, you have to go to a Pro Bowl, which is a wild. That's just like a crazy, random thing that you have to qual like a qualifying thing. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not an NFL Hall of Famer, and I'm a Ryan Fitzpatrick stan. He's not I'm an close. NFL Hall of Famer, but big but. There's no sign that Ryan Fitzpatrick's done anytime soon. Ryan Fitzpatrick plays 15 more years. He's a Hall of Famer. Oh, wait, that's not true. The, the the Pro Bowl thing. Okay. I just Googled it. I thought it wasn't true because I, I saw it getting debunked. Any fan may nominate any qualified person who has been connected with pro football in any capacity simply by writing to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The only restriction is that a player and coach must have played or coached at least five seasons before he can be considered. Well, I think that this certainly um, is something that the dirty sports should consider doing. I would love to see uh, photographs that you guys share with us on Twitter of the letters that you write to the Pro Football Hall of Fame asking for Fitzpatrick to be considered. It would be pretty amazing. I I might write one that asks him to be considered early before retiring. Who's to say that you have to be retired? I mean, his legends, like his status has just grown in recent years. I mean, thanks to the Ruther curse, basically. Brian Fitzpatrick was just a guy. Then, then Ruther was like, he stinks. And then it was like, he never said he's magic. I never said he stinks. Now he's become a magician. He's become a, a I said he was a gold chain wearing like football legend at this point. I believe I said he was a mediocre starting quarterback. Never use the word stinks. You like to take creative freedom with my words, Joe Prano, which leads me to the next call about the TV show. Okay, guys, here's the new show. Doug Coker plays the director of media and public relations at the NFL um, he starts off as a scumbag and slowly changes his ways to get, get more likable. Uh, Andy Ruther will play the QB who can't stop partying and raping everyone, but he's also sympathetic because he cares about his disabled older brother played by Maddie Goldberg. And Prano is the hot-headed lawyer who represents all the rape victims. This is a TV show. I think it's a hit. Let me know what you think. Stay nerdy. So I think this is based off the Deshaun Watson discussion and the NFL and PR and we have a TV show. I'm in. Can we get this green lit? Four straight white males. Not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but Matt, but Maddie's like, yeah. Can we go back to just saying like, at least Larry Bird's not being played by a Puerto Rican guy. Like that's at least let's, let's just go back to that casting. You make a good point, Andy. It could be, it could be, you know, Bo Burnham, at least Bo Burnham is a, is a white dude playing a white dude. Yeah, because they've they've really have changed a lot in the uh, the casting department. I mean, let's I mean, listen. I'll I'll never get over the Magnum PI atrocity. These these studios try so hard, and not just studios. The, these companies. I I, I want to say a point to that. Because I, I think I have a valid point. I had this discussion with my friends. I want to hear what you think. Have you seen the Dick's commercial with the empowering women? No. Okay. They've run it a few times during the NCAA tournament. So the CEO of Dick's is a woman. 
And the commercial was basically there's saying comedy in that there's comedy. In I know that phrase. I, I, I know exactly. So the CEO of Dick's Sporting Goods is a woman. And the commercial's premise is so you're she, ahead of all the dicks. Is that yeah. right? Yes, I am. Yeah. So so she says something along the lines of like, when you think Dick Sporting Goods, you don't think women. And they show her, you know, it's a CEO and they show all the women in very high power positions within the company. And they're pushing this hard and they're saying women, women, women. I would argue I think I think I'm decently savvy marketing. I would argue this. When you show that commercial during the NCAA tournament. What, what you're going to do, I want to hear your take on this, because I thought it was a fun discussion with my friends. My argument, again, from a business perspective, would be this. You're going to anger the dudes who are like, fuck all this women shit, blah, 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 who do go to Dick Sporting Goods, and they're not going to go there anymore. Because you're, you're pushing this. I'm, by the way, I'm not saying whether this is right or wrong. I'm just saying from a business perspective, you're going to turn them away. And my counter argument would be you're not gaining new customers. You're losing current ones because there's not that girl who's watching the NCAA men's tournament. Who's like, yeah, I'm going to Dick's now. They support women. Do you agree with my marketing perspective on that? That you're that that, my point was you'd be more prone to lose. I don't even know if you would, you would be more prone to lose a current customer that already goes to dicks, who goes to dicks, then gain a new girl who's like, girl power, I'm going to dicks sporting goods now. Don't, yeah. you think I, don't you think I have a good point? I mean, I, I, I can't imagine anybody like, what you know, you're like, well, now I'm a Models guy because fucking dicks is what, like, I just, I can't see it having any effect whatsoever, but I, I agree. What I will agree with your sentiment of like, there's certainly like, all of these like you're more woke, prone to piss off a misogynistic asshole is my point who does go there and gain the woke customer. That's all I'm saying. Sure. Sure. And but, you know, we're, we're again, we're talking about the extremes on both sides here. We're sure. talking about like, you know, I guess. Uh, listen, I guess there's a chance that the lunatic person that, you know, we always talk about the the horseshoe political theory, I guess. There's, you know, just as much chance that there is a lunatic fringe person who's like, now I am shopping at Dick's. Uh, but it's certainly not a good fucking marketing campaign. Who cares? And, and that's kind of my point. You I know, know who, you know, you know who I'd like to hear from? You know who will get me a shop at Dick's? Dick. Who is Dick? And where is he? Or she. I'm not saying Dick isn't a woman. I want to hear from Dick. I don't know. I've, I've become here from Ronald McDonald back in the day. Yeah. Like, you know, put your name on it. I've, I've just become way more fascinated by the, the, the marketing and the techniques of these companies again, where they're trying to really hit hard on some sort of agenda. And my argument would be, again, to me, it's, it's solely business would say, I don't know if you're really adding business though. I like, I like, I just don't know if that would be, that wouldn't be my, my strategy would be, Hey, this is a great product or this is a funny commercial. Just a random thought I had watching the games. Do we have time for one more call? Sure. Oh, let's do our final response. We didn't get to this last episode. Okay. Farmer Dirtball, Jay from Minnesota. Is this, the- is this a, the, the ongoing feud? Yeah, I think this might be the final response. 
Joe, Andy, Jay, you're uh, number one Minnesota farmer dirtball. Uh, last call on the subject, my pal over there in Wisconsin. Yeah, dude, I, I get it. All our sports teams suck. I've actually called in multiple times and acknowledged this. But uh, leave Andy alone. I mean, he's an orphan. You're calling an orphan a pedophile. I mean, what? You're canceled, dude. Sorry. <laughs> I like Wisconsin, too, by the way. I went to college there. But, uh, yeah, sorry, dude from Wisconsin. You're canceled. Last call. Last call on the subject. You can't call an orphan a pedophile. What the fuck's the matter with you? Stay dirty, boys. And we laughed over. He said he went to school in Wisconsin as well. So I never thought of it from the orphan perspective. Thank you for depressing me, Jay, from Minnesota. I appreciate that. Never thought of myself as an orphan. I guess technically I am now. So, Morgan, we're in this together, buddy. <laughs> Too soon? For who? You or Morgan? I think Morgan's known he's been orphaned for a while. Maybe too soon for you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I mean, end you're still getting mail. I wonder if Morgan still gets mail for his missing parents. I, I, I signed up for something. We'll see. I'm sick of it, especially my mom. Like, come on, man. We're talking almost 16 months ago. She died. Like, I signed up for something that can, they say it might take up to three months to have you removed. Like, the amount of stuff I get sent every day. Because women sign up for every mailing list ever. Right. And every email list ever. Except the Dick Sporting Goods mailing list. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say I've seen anything in the mail from Dick's. That is a good point. But they're trying to change that, Joe. Yeah, exactly. They're they're trying to get that one person who's watching the men's NCAA tournament who's going to become a Dick supporter. Thank you for the calls. (laughs) Become a Dick supporter. The hotline is 310-359. You guys are dick supporters out there. Yeah. Slide in Andy's DMs. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I need all the dick supporters I can get. 310-359-8365. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Dirty Sports. You can drop an iTunes review and get some koozies out of it. So leave those Instagram and Twitter handles under an iTunes review. Even if you've already left one, update it. I got like two or 300 koozies sitting here. I'll send out in the mail. This is the last episode for the worst time in Dirty Sports annual conversations. Baseball is back on Thursday. I'm so excited. We're going to talk some baseball on Thursday. We're going to have Eddie Ift on Thursday. We're going to have a Dirty Slides before that. You can follow all this stuff and follow me at Joe Prano on all social media, except for Twitter. I'm at Fix Your Life. I'm still on Cameo. My comedy special still out there. Keep drinking Miller Lite. Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you've already done that, rate, review, and subscribe to the other podcast that we're going to record on Wednesday. Rate, review, and subscribe to Eddie Ift's podcast. I don't know. That's it. Go shop at Dick's or whatever. And everybody uh, everybody, tweet Tug Coker about his exceptional caddying. Man, guy needs some like, emotional support right now. Be, be, like, be like, Tug. No, you got a baby coming, but if you could come read some greens for me, that'd be awesome. Shout out to Tug. What a great green read. Get that birdie on the card. It's nice to have a nice to have a circle in the middle of your scorecard. I hope he's paying you for all this love. I really do. So much love, Tug's way. All right, guys. That's our show. Have a great start to your week. 
We'll see you in a couple of days. And as always, stay dirty. <laughs>